Ernie looked like a total teacher's pet, standing at the blackboard in a clean shirt with his hair combed flat. He was reciting a book report on Benjamin Franklin as though he were the best student in school. In the words of Benjamin Franklin, Ernie read from his notebook, "Time is money." Miss Pringle was certainly impressed. She was nodding, smiling, and totally buying the whole Benjamin Franklin thing. But if she'd seen Ernie during lunch break, she'd have seen a different Ernie altogether. Ernie had caused a royal ruckus. Cafeteria lady was scooping heaps of mystery meat onto the kids' trays when suddenly Ernie climbed right on top of a cafeteria table. He planted his feet firmly between a couple kids' cafeteria trays. Cheeseburgers! He hollered like a ballpark vendor. Only one dollar. Get your red hot cheeseburgers. Ernie opened a large fast food bag he'd had clamped under one arm and started tossing burgers right and left. The kids went wild. Ernie scrambled to collect all the dollar bills that were being thrust at him. The event should have been a huge money maker. Ernie stood to make a lot of quick cash, but then catastrophe struck. One burger splattered against the wall. Another burger. Struck the overhead fan and burst into pieces. Yet another burger caught cafeteria lady right in the kisser. And basically, what happened after that was Ernie landed in the principal's office. Mr. Bridwell, the principal, had seen plenty of Ernie. He had heard all the stories. Ernie was the kind of kid who would drain the lunch money out of every student in the school. Ernie would sell the lawn chair from under his grandmother. The boy was just a natural-born salesman. Ernie, Mr. Bridwell said, "You really broke the rules this time." I wasn't breaking the rules, Mr. Bridwell. I was obeying the law of supply and demand. The principal sighed. I think maybe we should redirect your entrepreneurial enthusiasm towards something more appropriate, like the school fundraising drive. Mr. Bridwell had a habit of indicating every quotation mark in his speech by wagging his fingers in the air. Ernie threw his hands up in despair. Bridwell, you're killing me with the nickel and dime stuff, cookie dough, chocolate, calendars. Don't even mention magazine subscriptions. He perched on the edge of the principal's desk. I believe in charity, Bridwell, but I'm a businessman, and if you want to work the kid angle. You gotta cut us in on the action. What action? Mr. Bridwell asked with another wag of his fingers. The bank, the beans, the Jimmy, the jive, the moolah, the greenbacks, the dead presidents. Ernie cried. He was talking about money. Mr. Bridwell was positively flummoxed. After the dead presidents remark, it was all over for Ernie, except for a detention, a blue slip. And a telephone call to Ernie's father. Ernie's dad, Red, worked at the local sheet metal plant. His shift usually went till 5:30 or 6 in the evening. But when Red got a phone call from the school, he had to leave work early to bail his kid out of detention. So when Red showed up at the principal's office in his factory uniform and a windbreaker, he was not in a good mood. Red and Mr. Bridwell had a long talk behind a closed door. Ernie sneaked up to the door and cupped his ear against it with his hands. He was trying to listen, but he couldn't really make out the words. Time and time again, he heard Mr. Bridwell say. His dad said, "Cheeseburgers," two or three times. Cheeseburgers? 
Cheeseburgers? Every time he said it, the idea sounded more and more absurd. When Ernie heard the doorknob jiggle, he jumped back to his seat. Red walked out of the principal's office and flagged Ernie to follow him. That didn't take too long, Ernie said cheerfully. Red just glowered at him. Red pushed through the office doors and walked down the hall. He didn't even hold the door for Ernie. It bounced back and almost caught him in the nose. Ernie hustled down the hall to match his father's pace, but it wasn't easy to do. Usually the lecture didn't start until Red got Ernie into the car. This time, however, the lecture started in the hallway. Ernie, these get-rich schemes have got to stop. You can't take advantage of people. Ernie tried to protest, but Red didn't leave room for interruption. It's not like we haven't been through this time and time before. Used homework, booger insurance, skateboard rentals. They're scams, Ernie. You had to give the money back. All Ernie could think of to say was, But Dad! And that wasn't saying much. Red slammed through the crash doors at the end of the hall and stepped into the parking lot. Ernie muttered, Oh, man! Under his breath and pushed through the doors behind him. Chapter 2 Mr. Doggy Red stopped at the grocery store on the way home. Ernie and Red had a particular method of grocery shopping. Red would open the door in the freezer section and toss frozen dinners over his shoulder at Ernie. Ernie would catch the boxes and flip them into the grocery cart behind him. That was the program. Ernie missed the days when he got to ride inside the grocery cart back when his mom did the shopping. But those days were gone. It was just Ernie and his dad now, and Red didn't let him forget it. I'm the one who has to work, Red said as he chucked a frozen spaghetti dinner in Ernie's direction. I earn the money, not you. I'm the grown-up, you're the kid. But, Dad... And if I hear any more cockamamie business schemes, you're grounded. Ernie couldn't believe his ears. Grounded? That was the worst punishment in the book. Usually, if Ernie was in trouble, his dad would say no Game Boy, no allowance, no TV, or no Internet. If Ernie was really in hot water, Red would pile on extra chores, like garbage duty for a week. Ernie spent so much time racing from point A to point B in his life that he couldn't even imagine being grounded. Ernie sputtered, but no words came out. Grounded and with no allowance. Red said to add insult to injury as he slammed the door on the standing freezers. But, Dad... Ernie finally protested. Red put his fingers in his ears and sang, La, 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 la... In a flat, whiny falsetto like a child. He walked down the aisle singing loud enough for the whole store to hear. Ernie snatched the grocery cart with a jerk. I should never have taught you that thing with the ears. While Red paid the cashier, Ernie slipped a small notebook out of his pocket. It was his personal journal and he didn't want Red to see it. The cover read, Jobs for Ernie. He flipped to the last entry on the last page, where he had written the ill-fated word, Cheeseburgers. That was a lousy idea, Ernie thought. The whole cheeseburger idea had almost gotten him grounded. With the stub of a pencil, Ernie scratched out the word. Come on, Ernie! When Ernie looked up, he saw Red standing halfway through the automatic doors to the parking lot. The doors were bouncing back and forth against the grocery cart full of frozen food. Ernie, come on! Ernie slipped the notebook back into his hip pocket and ran for the door. When they got back home, Red and Ernie stood in the same fire brigade formation to unload the groceries. 
Ernie would reach into the brown paper bags and toss the frozen dinners at Red, who caught the boxes and flipped them into the open freezer. They were almost finished when a small dog came trotting into the kitchen. He sniffed at the grocery bags and gazed up at Ernie and Red. Mr. Doggy wants to help, Ernie scowled. You know I can't stand that dog. When the last box was stowed away and the last paper bag was tossed into the recycling bin, Red jerked his head toward Mr. Doggy. Your turn to feed him. Fast on his heels, but not fast enough, Ernie said. Your turn to... Dang it. This was another game. Whoever named the household chore first, the other person had to do it. Most of the time, Red won. I said it first, he smirked. You lose. Ernie reached for a fresh sack of dog food. Red nudged the freezer door shut with a hard shove of his shoulder. In the process, a freezer magnet fell off the door. It landed with a loud clatter in Mr. Doggy's dish. Ernie and Red both lunged to rescue it. The magnet was a small plastic picture frame that held a photograph of Red, Ernie, Mr. Doggy, and Claire. That was Ernie's mom, back in happier days. Ernie handed the photo to Red but said nothing. Ernie's mom was a sore subject, and he didn't want his dad to talk about it just now. Red took the plastic frame in his hands and replaced the magnet on the freezer without saying a word. Be nice to Mr. Doggy. He goes to the vet tomorrow. Again? It seemed like Mr. Doggy was always going to the hospital. Red reached down to scruff Mr. Doggy's head. Old and getting older. Stupid dog. I could have him, you know, put to sleep. His voice trailed off as though he didn't want to finish that thought. He paused, then said, I just can't deal with another funeral right now. Not that we could afford another funeral. I'm still paying off the last one. Pay for a funeral? Ernie stopped pouring dog food into Mr. Doggy's bowl. Was he hearing things? You had to pay for Mom's funeral? You thought they were free? Red asked over his shoulder. Ernie backpedaled because he hated sounding like he didn't know something he was supposed to know. No, I thought there were... He blurted out defensively, then his voice trailed off. Nobody works for free, Ernie, Red said. Funeral guys make a bundle, believe you me. He grabbed a dog biscuit from the fresh bag and wagged it at Mr. Doggy. Don't they, Mr. Doggy, don't they? A bundle. Mr. Doggy nodded energetically, and Red laughed. Stupid dog, Ernie muttered. While Ernie wasn't looking, Red slipped another biscuit into his pocket for later. Mr. Doggy had noticed the extra biscuit, and he let out a whimper. On the sly, Red winked at Mr. Doggy and mouthed the words, for later. Your turn to walk him, Red called out as he left the kitchen and headed down the hall. Fast on his heels, Ernie blurted out, Your turn to... But again, not fast enough. Oh, man. Ernie muttered, reaching for the dog leash and a biscuit. Mr. Doggy nodded. Chapter 3 A Secret Place Dusk was settling over the neighborhood when Ernie slipped out the back door with Mr. Doggy on the leash. Ernie lived in a tightly packed block of row houses on Fuller Street. The neighborhood was mostly blue-collar, which meant the moms and dads tended to work in factories. The row houses were stodgy old brownstones that had been built 40, 50, some even 60 years ago. A service alley ran behind the houses on Ernie's block, and Mr. Doggy knew the routine. Ernie took the back steps two at a time, forcing Mr. Doggy to move double time on his little dog legs. 
When they reached the fence that led to the alley, Mr. Doggy automatically turned to the right. Walking down the alley, Ernie noticed the gingerbread details on the rooftops of the adjoining brownstones. Ernie's mom had always referred to these houses as the dowagers. It was another word for old ladies. When Ernie asked why, Ernie's mom said, because they're old and crotchety. Ernie still didn't really get the joke. But nowadays, whenever Ernie saw the dowagers, he was always reminded of his mom. And in fact, as he was looking up at the rooftops, he heard a young mother's voice yell, Supper time! Come to supper! Ernie thought he was hearing things, but then he heard the mother call the name, Dusty! Dusty! Ernie wrapped Mr. Doggy's leash over his shoulder and rose on tiptoe to peek over the back fence of a house three doors down. A scruffy nine-year-old boy had just banged out of a tool shed and was headed obediently up the stairs to the kitchen door. That must be Dusty, Ernie thought. Dusty was a strange kid. He was holding an elaborate hodgepodge of wire hangers that clanged and clattered. It looked to be a wind chime, but Ernie couldn't honestly say what it was. But whatever it was, it was too big for Dusty. He tripped on the hangers and stumbled on the stairs. Ernie would have laughed when Dusty tripped, but at that same moment, Mr. Doggy yanked him away from the fence. Easy, Doggy. But Mr. Doggy was determined to investigate a rusty old gate in a weather-beaten fence that surrounded a lot across the alley. Mr. Doggy tugged on the leash and whimpered, sniffing closer and closer toward the gate. All right, already, have it your way, Ernie said, letting the dog pull him across the alley. Ernie stared at the rusty old gate. He'd grown up on this block, but he couldn't honestly recall having noticed this gate ever before. The metal had corroded, and the gate was half falling off its post. It was in bad shape, and the lot was so overgrown that Ernie couldn't make out what was on the other side. No light, and no sound. Ernie hooked Mr. Doggy to the fence post, and, forcing the gate wider, squeezed his way inside. As he nudged against the gate, a faded sign fell off and fluttered to the pavement. Ernie hadn't seen the sign, but it read, No Trespassing. Ernie crawled through the gnarled bushes inside. When his shirt snagged on a thorn bush, he had to wrestle to pull himself free. He tugged and tugged, and when he finally tugged hard enough, his shirt ripped away from the branch. Ernie tumbled backward into a small open clearing and landed on the ground. Ernie sprawled flat on a dry patch of scrappy grass in an empty lot. With the rising moon, the vacant clearing glowed with an eerie, tranquil light. Even in the dusk, Ernie's face seemed to light up. It was a moment of discovery. He had found a secret place. Mr. Doggy wandered into the yard as far as his leash would allow. He was growling and snarling as little dogs do and he pawed and scratched at the sparse patch of dry grass. No, Mr. Doggy, don't, Ernie said, reaching for the leash. You're gonna dig up the hole. Ding! Ernie had an idea. He paced the property with long strides and stamped at the turf with his sneaker. Sure, there's plenty of land, access from the alley. It's quiet, it's safe. With a decisive air, Ernie flipped open his jobs notebook, turned to a blank page, and wrote down the word, Funerals. Chapter 4. Get to Work The first thing that Ernie wrote down in his game plan was the word Employees. He scrawled it in his notebook under the heading Things to Do, and he marked it with a star. If Ernie was going to make this project happen, 
He needed help. The lot was a mess. He couldn't do it all by himself. He needed employees for the dirty work. Ernie thought and thought, and really only one kid came to mind. Dusty, the strange kid from Three Doors Down. After his mom died, Ernie had transferred from the Catholic school across town, which was his mom's alma mater, back to the public school in his own neighborhood. Gotta cut back somewhere, his dad said, meaning the tuition. Ernie didn't mind, except he didn't actually know the kids in his own neighborhood, so all the kids at his new school were basically strangers. The next afternoon, Ernie tracked down Dusty. He found him leaning over a patch of wet cement in the sidewalk. Ernie ducked behind a tree to see what Dusty was up to. As Ernie watched, Dusty reached into a large cardboard box beside him and raised an old china plate into the air. Ernie could never have predicted what happened next. Dusty smashed the plate against the curb so hard that it shattered into pieces. Then he calmly sifted through the shards until he had selected one particular chip. Dusty studied the piece closely, rolling it back and forth between his fingers. After some careful thought, he tossed it aside. When Dusty finally found a shard that was satisfactory, he leaned over the wet cement and carefully pressed the chip into position. For several minutes, he worked in a slow and careful manner. This could take forever, Ernie said to himself. When Dusty was finally done, he sat back to admire his creation. Of course, Ernie had edged closer behind a hedge so that he could see what Dusty was doing. Poking his head through the branches, Ernie saw an elaborate mosaic in the wet cement, depicting an intergalactic space battle in wild cartoon colors. Ernie was impressed, very impressed. Unfortunately, a moment later, a boot smashed down right into the middle of the wet cement. A boot belonging to Dion, the neighborhood bully. Dion was a nightmare and a constant threat. Everyone kept wishing he would either grow up or move away. Until that happened, there wasn't much that anyone could do about Dion. As Dion trampled the wet cement, Dusty flailed helplessly to protect his mosaic. Quit! Stop it! Biff! Powie! Sacco! Oof! Dion barked as he stomped. Ernie ducked inside the hedge. It felt a little cowardly, but Ernie was one to pick his battles wisely. Stop! You ruined it! Dusty cried, pretty much stating the obvious. It was kind of pathetic. What are you going to do, freakazoid? When the deed was done, Dion charged down the sidewalk. And indeed, the mosaic was demolished. Dusty sat back on his heels, splattered with cement, too wounded to speak, too hurt to cry. At that moment, a shadow arched over the ruined mosaic. Dusty winced into the sunlight to see who it was. No surprise here. It was Ernie. Ernie squatted beside the wet cement and said, Sweet while it lasted, huh, kid? He ran his hand over the remnants and continued, Clever, inventive, got a sense of humor, and the old plates keep your costs down. Ernie brushed his hands off and held one out for a handshake. Good work, kid. I've been looking for a kid like you. Name's Ernie. Dusty, said Dusty, wiping off his palm and shaking Ernie's hand. Oh, I know your name, all right. Dusty was bewildered. Nobody in the neighborhood had ever talked to him this way before. They usually just acted as though he was weird. I need boxes, Ernie announced with a sense of purpose. Well, not just boxes. More like 
Boxes for a funeral, say? For a funeral? Dusty asked, completely confused. You mean you need a coffin? I prefer the word sarcophagus. It's Egyptian, but never mind about that. Got a minute? I got a proposition for you. And that was how Ernie and Dusty came to be friends. It was Dusty who tipped Ernie off to Tony. Look for the kid with the shovel, is what he said. You can't miss him. On Dusty's recommendation, Ernie found himself leaning against a lemonade stand late in the afternoon. Looking across the street, Ernie saw a scrappy little boy, about seven or eight, and sure enough, he was flinging a great big shovel, almost twice his size. That must be Tony. Tony patted down a freshly filled hole and wiped his brow. With the job done, Tony squinted across the street at the lemonade stand and headed in that direction. He dragged the shovel on the pavement behind him, and it made an awful sound. Ernie arranged himself at the counter so that he looked all nonchalant. Tony arrived and gestured at the sweaty lemonade girl behind the counter. Hit me with the usual. Sweaty lemonade girl snapped back. Move along, stinky. You scare away the customers. She pinched her fingers over her nose and stuck out her tongue. Tony balked. Hey! He cried, all indignant and offended. And why shouldn't he be? Ernie cleared his throat and rolled his eyes. Tony was stinky, but Sweaty Lemonade Girl was no prize either. Clearly, Sweaty Lemonade Girl has no idea how to run a business. Ernie tossed a few coins on the counter. Put that one on me, he said. Sweaty Lemonade Girl eyed the coins and begrudgingly poured a glass of lemonade for Tony. She put it on the counter and scooped up the change. Thanks, mister, the kid said, turning toward Ernie. Name's Tony. Ernie here. Pretty good with a shovel, kid. I try," said Tony with a shrug. Ernie leaned in confidentially and lowered his voice so that Sweaty Lemonade Girl couldn't overhear. "I'm looking for somebody to dig a few holes. You interested?" Tony looked both ways and back across the counter. Sweaty Lemonade Girl pursed her lips and arched her eyebrows as if she was suddenly all interested in Tony's business. Tony turned his back to the counter and perched against his elbows. He tilted his head toward Ernie and answered, "Depends." He knocked back his lemonade, crumpled the cup, and chucked it over the counter. "Hey!" Sweaty lemonade girl grumbled with annoyance. As she bent over to pick up the cup, Tony leaned in confidentially against 